of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host here with your co-host, Chris, the fantasy expert. And in today's show, after a quick piece of news, we'll be giving you guys our, our running back positional preview for the 2020 fantasy season. So last week we did our quarterback preview, and uh, this week we'll be talking about running backs. We went through our quarterback rankings last week and went through guys that uh, we had some debates about guys we disagreed on with. Um, rankings we disagreed with, and just went through all of our quarterback rankings uh, last week. This week, our, um, because we only our quarterback rankings only go through top 24, and our running back rankings go through top 60, we won't be going through all of our running backs um, this week, but we'll be going through the top guys and their rankings, and then we'll go down the list and find some guys that are interesting, that we want to talk about, that we think, or maybe that we disagree on, uh, different things like that. So it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And then as if this wasn't fun enough, at the end of the show, we have a very, 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 very exciting interview. Christopher Harris from the Harris Fantasy Football Podcast is coming on our show mm-hmm. at the end of the episode for an interview. We're going to ask him some questions about his podcast, different things like that. And then at the end, we'll also ask him some questions about fantasy football. So you'll get to hear from him again. He hosts the Harris Fantasy Football Podcast, which is an excellent podcast. He's one of the best in the business in terms of fantasy football, and he's also very funny too. So it's going to be great to have him on the show. Chris, I know I can't wait. We're going to be recording his interview, like basically just after we record this segment, but I cannot wait for him to come on. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. It's so cool. I mean, I think he's the eighth most downloaded fantasy football podcast of all time. So he is huge. He obviously has a ton of fantasy knowledge. The fact that so many people listen to him, he and I, he's known throughout the fantasy community as having some good selections, and he makes a lot of really good picks as far as his rankings go. And I think it's going to be really fun to have someone of uh, his kind of his prowess on our show. Yeah, this is by far our most, uh, no offense to the other people coming on, but this is who came on our show in the past, but this is by far our biggest interview yet. I mean, uh, Mr. Harris hosts like the top, one of the top fantasy football podcasts like in the world and one of the top uh, independent podcasts as well. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be very fun to talk to him at the end of the show. But first, we're going to do our running back positional preview. And it kind of fits that our only piece of news today has to do with the running back. Raheem Mostert of the San Francisco 49ers has requested a trade. But Chris, I feel like I don't know if Mostert has a ton of leverage here. I mean, he's still under contract. Obviously, he wants more money or he's unhappy in San Francisco. But he's Mostert's very key to the San Francisco idea that throwing of throwing in the hot hand at running back and having multiple guys to go to. So I don't know if it's – I don't think it's – I think it's far from a certainty that he gets traded. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that – Mostert, I think this whole playoff thing, maybe his his huge performance in the playoff has gotten a little bit to his head because now he's acting like he's some top running back and he really hasn't proven himself enough to say, hey, I deserve this much money or I deserve to be traded in my opinion. I think he definitely does have the talent, but he hasn't proven it. And so other teams aren't going to be willing to pay a lot for a guy that's unproven and they don't know what's going to happen with him. They're not going to want to trade away a ton of their assets, a ton of their picks because those picks could very well turn out just as well as a guy that a guy like Raheem Moser, who you don't really know how he's going to perform. So I just don't think it's, I don't think it's a smart move for him to request a trade. Like, especially, especially publicly, I feel like it just kind of shines a bad light on him that he is kind of, I don't know, that he's not, not full of himself, but I think that he thinks that he's done a little bit more than he has. And he really hasn't shown that he can consistently be a top guy. I mean, I don't know if I agree with you on this. I feel like his request is pretty reasonable. I mean, he wants the money of Tevin Coleman, which isn't that much money. But I feel yeah. like, um, mm-hmm. like 
yeah, I'm, I don't, I don't really know. I feel like just he, uh, he doesn't want a ton of money, and I feel like he has been. He's been a very efficient running back uh, throughout his career. Um, so I think that, or I guess his short career, but throughout his career anyway. So I think he's a very good player. I think he, this is a pretty reasonable request, but I don't know if it's going to get heated by the 49ers because they don't really have any reason to heat it. Yeah, and I don't think any other team has any reason to try and put out a huge offer for him to trade for him. So I don't think that. I don't think that things are going to work out quite as uh, most are just hoping, I think, when he re- requested this uh, trade. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we're going to go into a running back positional preview. So Chris and I each have our top 60 rankings with us. And um, I don't think there's going to be as much disagreement on this show as next week's when we with wide receivers where we really disagree on a lot of spots. Mm-hmm. I think there's still enough disagreement to where we can have some fun debates on this show before we get into our epic interview at the end of the show. So, Chris, um, we'll start with our number one running back, who is obviously Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I don't know if there's too much to say about this one. I mean, he is very obviously – I mean – he's a few lengths ahead of everyone as far as rankings go. And I just think that his ability to catch passes really boosts him in half PPR, but even in a standard league, he's the obvious choice for the number one overall pick in the NFL draft as well as the number one receiver or running back, obviously. And I mean, he had over a thousand yards receiving over a thousand yards rushing. He is just an all around monster. He's going to rack up fantasy points. He gets touchdowns. I think that the addition of Teddy Bridgewater is going to be helpful for him. I think that Panthers offense is going to take a bit bit of a step up and then they also have someone like dj Moore who can spread the field a little bit for him and he is just just insane i mean just talent wise he's not even in the greatest situation i mean he's in an okay situation but he is so talented and that's what keeps him at the uh top of the list yeah there have been there's been speculation that his workload might go down a little bit but i don't think that's anything to worry about at all mm-hmm. McCaffrey's yeah. clearly the number one guy in any format of leagues except maybe like super flex with three quarterbacks starting or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, But yeah, McCaffrey, we cover half point PPR, by the way, half point points per reception. McCaffrey's clearly the number one pick. And then I think Chris, our number two guy is the same too. A guy who's coming off an injury last year, but he's really the only guy who has any sort of chance to catch McCaffrey. Yeah, that's, uh, I I wouldn't even. Actually, maybe not the only guy. There's. Yeah, there's there's some guys, but I wouldn't say that Saquon Barkley is the only one. And I don't really think Saquon Barkley has too much of a chance. But, uh, yeah, Saquon is our number two. And I just think that he's going to have another good season in the passing game. I think that that injury was a bit of a fluke. He seems like a really solid player. He didn't have to deal with injuries in college. So it came as a bit of a surprise when he had that ankle sprain. I mean, it's going to happen to a running back. I don't think – I wouldn't call him injury prone or anything, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. And I think that he's just going to be a consistent guy that you can trust on a consistent basis and in a, in a in an improving uh, Giants offense as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I really like this top tier class of RBs and Saquon Barkley, I think is the clear number two, just because his talent is like, I would say in terms talent wise, there are two guys who are above the rest and it's McCaffrey and Barkley. I mean, Dalvin cook, you could argue is there because he is put behind a bad offensive line and still gets tons of yards, but Barkley's, I think the clear number two, but number three is where we disagree. And my number three guy is Derek Henry. And this might be surprising to you for some people who see that Derek Henry does not really catch that many passes. And that's not that great for half PPR, but here's a crazy stat last year. I mean, I'm trying to remember if it was points per game, total points or both. But in at least one of those categories, Derrick Henry outperformed Ezekiel Elliott in a half-point PPR last year. And Ezekiel Elliott is like one of the top-tier running backs. He's my number four guy. So I think Derrick Henry can continue to do that this year. He's the centerpiece of the Titans offense, which doesn't happen much for a running back. And he's just – defenses 
are never going to be able to stop him. It's not like a good scheme by a coach makes Derrick Henry good. It's just that he is so huge and he can run over defenders. There's nothing they can do to stop him except gaining a ton of weight like and gaining a ton yeah. of muscle mass. I, I actually think that I, I disagree with you just because I think that Ezekiel Elliott has the consistency that I'm looking for in a fantasy running back. I know what I'm getting from him, and I know it's going to be solid. I mean, even if Derrick Henry does end up with more fantasy points at the end of the season, I feel like I can't fully trust Derrick Henry just because I don't really know how that Titans offense is going to look. But I know that Zeke under, I think that the new system that the Cowboys are going to have under their new head coach, uh, Mike McCarthy is going to be really good. And I think it's going to allow Zeke to not have so much pressure on him because it seemed under Jason Garrett, despite having all these receivers, there still seemed to be so much pressure on Ezekiel Elliott to do well. And now I think that that's going to be lifted. And I think it's going to help him a lot because he's going to be able to be uh, freed up in the ball and through the middle and I think that he's gonna be able to catch some more passes and just I in standard Derrick Henry is my number three and I swap uh I put Dalvin Cook down at five and Henry up at three with Zeke at four but for half EPR I just have to have Zeke and Dalvin just a little bit higher than him oh so you have Henry at five I mean that's fair and I see what you mean about Elliot it's like Elliot just even though he scores less fantasy points than Henry maybe he's one of the most consistent guys in the league and if you're building your team to be more consistent, like if you want more risky players later, Elliot's a good centerpiece to have as a consistent guy. But if you're looking to play it safe later and you want that weak win, league, league winner and winner of weeks like that Derrick Henry is when he just blows up, then Henry might be the smarter pick. It's all based on how you're planning to build your team in the later rounds of the draft. I mean, but then again, it's sort of hard to plan how you're building your team because you don't know what guys are going to be around. So, I mean, I would just, go with the guy who's getting more fantasy points to be safe. But I wouldn't blame you if you picked Elliot over Henry either. And so, yeah, Chris, I guess you have Elliot. And then why don't you talk about Dalvin Cook, your number four guy? Yeah, Dalvin Cook, I think this, like you said, Calvin, in the later rounds that you're going to play, it's important to get Alexander Madison because he does have injury risk. But Dalvin Cook is kind of similar to Derrick Henry in the way that – or actually I'd say he's, he's kind of a combination of Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott because you know he's going to have a big games, but you also know that he's going to be relatively consistent. I think he was – I looked at like some consistency scores for running backs and I think he might've been the most consistent running back actually last year. I don't think that he will be next year. I think that Zeke will or Zeke or McCaffrey or Barkley will be, but I think that Cook has a very good chance to be that guy that's super consistent and he gets a lot of touchdowns and he gets a ton of yards. So it's just a good combination. He can catch some passes, which is nice. He's not totally dull in the passing game. So you can trust him to get you a few points there and in half PPR, I really do like his chances to have a big boom game every single week. Yeah, the one thing I'm worried about for Dalvin Cook is just injury risk because he has not played a full 16-game season in his career, and that's why you have to draft the backup running back for the Vikings, mm-hmm. Alexander Madison, with him, even if it means spending uh, like an, a higher pick, like a round too early, getting him around too early. That's how important it is because mm-hmm. if Cook gets hurt, Madison is very talented, and he's a good backup to have. So, I mean, that's why I have Cook at number five just because if you're willing to take, um, take a round early on Madison, you can still get a good value. But Cook is no Madison, or Madison is no Cook, excuse me. Cook is very talented, and it's no, there's no doubt you're going to see a drop-off if Cook gets hurt. But I think Madison is talented enough to make it worth, Cook worth the number six overall pick and the number five um, in, number five running back pick. So I, I guess totally that's, that's our top five. So we'll get started. Chris, I don't actually know who you have at number six. I think this area, six through ten, is going to be a hotly debated area. Yeah, my number six is Aaron Jones. I think you might have him. At, oh, okay. Him? So number seven and onward then. <laughs> yeah, but I have Aaron Jones at number six just because I think that he he was the number two overall fantasy running back 
last year. And I think that some of that is going to stay. I think that there's going to be a few less touchdowns. So I think that'll bump him down to number six, but he's going to still get a ton of yards. And Aaron Rodgers is going to be looking to him a lot as Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that too many weapons in the offensive game. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron Jones is definitely, uh, I would, I guess I completely agree that he's the number seven overall player, number six in, um, or actually wait, I don't know if I have him number seven overall, but he's the number six running back. And um, yeah, he's just, he just, I don't see much reason for too much touchdown regression. I still think he's going to get opportunities, but 15 rushing touchdowns might not be sustainable. Mm-hmm. Number seven, I think here's where we disagree. I have Kenyon Drake at number seven. And this might be shocking to people who see someone coming out of it. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, we did. We couldn't do it. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, no. Someone coming out of Adam Gase's offense, who was just in Adam Gase's offense a couple years ago. Um, yeah, it's, I, wait. Oh, no, yes. Someone coming out of Adam Gase's offense who was struggling in Adam Gase's offense a couple years ago. So people might be remembering that, but they don't – They you got – you can't forget that when the Cardinals traded for Kenyon Drake, he was a top five fantasy RB. He was putting up such great numbers. I see maybe a little reason for regression, and there's just six proven guys that I have ahead of him. But I don't think the sample size is too small. I just think that the Adam Gase sample size is unfair because back in Miami with Adam Gase, he wasn't doing well because of bad coaching, I feel like. And so now that Drake's really going to be let loose in this uh, – offense that's more like college style I think he'll have more space because the Cardinals run more four wide receiver sets than any other team by far and he'll have so much space to just run defenses into the ground because he is a very talented talented player so that's one of my boldest picks at running back that Kenyon Drake is number seven yeah I have Austin Eckler at number seven this is actually pretty bold too but I think that he has so much potential in the passing game and now with the the pressure of Melvin Gordon kind of gone we don't have to worry about when Melvin Gordon's coming back I think that Austin Eckler is going to have a great season. He's going to catch a ton of passes, and he's really going to help be helped by that half PPR scoring. And I think that there were – I mean, I had him at the beginning of last season when he was so good, and he was getting like 30 points a game without Melvin Gordon. Obviously, that's not going to continue, but I still think there's going to be so many games where he has huge games, and I just really like his boom potential every week, and I feel so comfortable and so like – I feel like I would get rewarded every single week when I start him, and I don't – there's no – there's no fear in starting him. I just totally think that he's going to be so consistent and he's going to do consistently very well. Yeah, Austin Eckler is one of the players that was hardest for me to decide on because, yes, mm-hmm. he has that last year production, but you've also got Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly in that offense. So finally I settled for number 12, at the maybe between that second-tier class of RBs and, like, the first-tier class. Yeah, that's just, that's just too low for me, though, because he has so much potential in the passing game. And I feel like Joshua Kelly is still young. I don't think he's going to have too much of an impact. I think he'll have a little. And then Justin Jackson, I mean, we saw last year, he really didn't have too much of an impact. He's more of a change of pace guy. And I'm not worried about a change of pace guy, the taking down Austin Eckler. I just feel like now with Melvin Gordon gone, he's going to get to play a whole season. And I mean, you think about it, Melvin Gordon was there for half of the season, the number one running back. And Austin Eckler was like the number two running back for half of the season. And he still did insanely well. So now when he can be the number one running back throughout the entire season, I don't see how you could have him at number 12 below someone like, I don't know, who do you have him below? Like Nick Chubb? Do you have him below Nick Chubb? Yeah, I mean, he's actually the number six running back at half PPR for the full season. So I see what you mean. And, and that's with, that's I think with half gonna... of it being played with Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I think I see what you mean. I think I'll move him up to number 10. I think that's a fair spot because Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs, I'm not really sure completely mm-hmm. about. So just remind me, Chris, after the episode to move up Eckler to number 10. Um, yeah, I bumped up. I bumped up uh, Kenyon Drake as well a little bit just because I realized that I'm still a little bit worried about mix and hold out. So I bumped him down to number 10. And then uh, 
Nick Chubb, I bumped down to number 11 just because the passing isn't there. So wait, you have Drake at nine then? Yeah, so now I have Drake at nine. But uh, before nine, I've got Alvin Kamara at eight. I feel like this is a comfortable spot just because the Saints at offense is so strong. And he's kind of like an, a bit of a t- – Tone down Austin Eckler, in my opinion. He's going to catch a lot of passes and rack up a lot of points in the uh, half PPR scoring format. And I think that Drew Brees looks a lot to him in the red zone as if for those short passes and kind of uh, screen passes near the red zone, which the, which the Saints like to run. I do think that like having so many weapons on the Saints team is going to take away from him. But he also does well in sets with Taysom Hill. A lot of times he lines up with him and they like to line up Taysom Hill near the uh, red zone. So I think that that'll help. And I just overall think that he's a solid guy. But I'm not. He's not a guy that I'm super comfortable taking because I think that his ADP is a little bit high. Yeah, I think it is too. Just because, and I mean, I have him at number eight just because, partly because of the touchdowns. I'm worried that he didn't have a lot of red zone opportunities last year, and while he'll probably have a little bit more, I don't know if it's going to come up to what it was two years ago. Also, the other thing is just the seven running backs ahead of him. I just absolutely love all of them. Except maybe mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook, who has injury risk. But Dalvin Cook, when he's on the field, is great. So I just feel like Alvin Kamara sort of has to slot in at number eight. Yes, he wasn't fully healthy last year. But I think that lack of that he doesn't get a ton of touches either. So that's just mm-hmm. why he's slightly below these other guys. But he's still an elite running back. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. So uh, my nine is Kenyon Drake, and I just think that that's a good spot for him. I maybe I could see you. I definitely understand you saying that he's a little bit higher, but I just feel like he's not proven yet, and I'm. And I just don't feel super comfortable just because I don't know what that offense is going to fully look like next year. And it was such a small sample size with the Cardinals that I wouldn't feel totally safe taking him. But I do think that there's definitely potential for him to be like seven or even six, you know? Yeah, I think I think I do think there's that potential there. Even to be a top five guy, it's sort of just that. There's it's just more- that he was never strong with the Dolphins and he didn't seem very talented when he was with the Dolphins too. I don't know uh, how Adam much of that was Adam Gase, obviously, but like, <laughs> That does worry me a little bit because you have to remember, or you, you have to think about the old Kenyon Drake when you just think, oh, Kenyon Drake. I mean, you don't want to get locked in on what he is now, but I think for the most part, he's going to stay where he was with the Cardinals last year. Yeah, I agree. And then the Cardinals getting DeAndre Hopkins is going to open up so much space for him. Um, I'm going to, uh, this, that's going to be really fun to watch. I'm, it's possible they also start stop running as many four receiver sets. I mean, I know that's the sort of the thing about Cliff Kingsbury's offense, but uh, with Kenny, if Kenyon Drake proves that he can perform, they might rely on him a whole lot more during games. Um, so that'll be really interesting to see. Um, so my, I guess Chris, you shared your top eight already. Yep. All right. So I'll go top to- nine. Top nine. Actually. Okay. So then I'll share my number nine. Who's Joe Mixon? And I guess have we heard word about Joe Mixon's holdout. I no, guess- we haven't, and that's what that's why I, I put him down below Kenyon Drake at nine. Or I mean, down to ten. Yeah, I think that's fair. I just think he's. Also a very elite player, though. I mean, that plus just these eight guys are all so good. Puts Mixon at number nine. I think Mixon's underrated in the passing game. He just didn't get a lot of opportunities last year, which really wasn't his fault. Um, they sort of picked up a little bit near the end of the season. But I hope uh, I hope for his sake in fantasy that he'll get more targets this year. Um, I just think he's a click below the rest of these guys, although he's still in their same tier, I would say. Plus the holdout issue. I guess, no, I'd say he's basically in the same tier, but the holdout issue Bumps him down just slightly to number nine. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So okay. let's, yeah, that's fair. Who do you have at number 10, Calvin? Um, I have got Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb, he's another guy that I'm worried about his catches in the passing game. Just because Kareem Hunt, 
stole so many of those last year. We saw Chubb's production dip down, just and also because he didn't score that many touchdowns in the second half of the year. But there's mm-hmm. reason to believe that that's going to go up this year, mainly because the new coach in Cleveland, Kevin Stefanski, is so run-heavy, so run-oriented, and will probably give Chubb many opportunities in the red zone, more than he had last year in the second half. So I think his touchdowns might pick up. I think his touchdowns will pick up. Um, from what they were in the second half. Yes, his targets may not be there. That's why he's basically number 10 for me. Um, so, Chris, who you got? Who have you got at number 10? Number 10, I have Joe Mixon. And this is – I think that he's talented enough and he's going to be in an, a better situation than he was in past years having Joe Burrow there. But I'm just a little bit worried about the holdout. Just It's in the back of my mind. So, that's why I have him at number 10 and not a yeah. little bit higher. Yeah, that's fair, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I've got – we're moving pretty fast here. And uh, so we've each read our top 10. And I wonder if we have the same 11 guy. I have Josh Jacobs at 11, Chris. Do you have him there too? I have Nick Chubb at 11. Oh, okay. So, yeah, why don't you talk about Nick Chubb first? And I'll talk about Jacobs. Yeah, I just think that Nick Chubb is still going to have some value. I think that that, uh, that the Browns offense is going to be much improved. It's much more run heavy under a uh, new coach, Kevin Stefanski. So I think that that's going to benefit Chubb. And I think that Kareem Hunt is actually going to be a nice compliment. I think that he would be higher, and I think it's going to help Chubb's rushing ability. I do wish he had that passing, and I think that's why he's at number 11 for me. But I think he's going to just be a solid fantasy player that you can – you can trust on the rushing side of the ball, not really on the passing side. So that's what concerns me a little bit. Yeah, same here. And I mean, I just have Josh Jacobs behind him because Josh Jacobs is another guy who you can't really trust in the passing game, just because not that he's bad in the passing game, but because the Raiders have re-signed Jalen Richard to a new deal. And Jalen Richard is just the pass catching back over there in Oakland. I'm not, I think Jacobs will take a step forward and play more like he did in the second half of the season than the first half. But I think that he's still the pass catching thing is going to keep him a little bit behind guys like Nick Chubb, just and Joe Mixon, just because. Um, for me, like uh, Derrick Henry is one of the only guys who can fully overcome that. Jacobs isn't the type of runner that Derrick Henry is, so he won't rack up as many rushing yards to be able to overcome the passing deficiencies that Jalen Richard is going to cause. Um, yeah, so th- yeah, I have Jacobs at eleven. Um, yeah, I have Jacobs at, at thirteen actually, and I think that this is because. Uh... I, I get what you're saying about the passing and everything and how he'll be able to overcome that, but I feel like he's kind of a – he's very similar to Nick Chubb in the way that – and how that offense works and how he's going to be getting most of the rushing and not very much passing, you know. But I just think that there's a little bit more injury risk there, and that kind of scares me off from putting him pretty high. And he's not a guy that I've been taking in fantasy drafts at all. I don't really like taking him just because of that injury risk. I mean, he really tried to fight through it last year, which kind of worries me because it, I feel like he was he might have been pushing himself too hard and he – you never know back injuries. I think it was a back injury, right, that he had. Uh, I'm not. I don't remember. I know he was struggling with some injuries sometimes, was, though. Yeah, I think it was a back injury, and back injuries seem to always come back and haunt people. So I think that that could be a problem next year. Yeah. So I was looking at the rankings, and I thought it said you had Jacobs at 12, but then I pr- I realized I printed them out, and you must have edited it to switch yeah. Jacobs to 13. Um. So yeah, I guess you talked about Kenyon Drake already, who you have at uh, mm-hmm. 11. Or wait. No, I, I mean at nine. Yeah, I edited my rankings a little bit. Okay, yeah, <laughs> editing rankings during the show. Um, yeah, well, but once I started talking about them, then I see different things, and there was I forgot about the mix and holdout until we started, so that's why I changed Kenny Drake around a little because he kind of fit okay. with uh, Drake. But yeah, the one guy were- that I have learned to like is uh, Chris Carson, who I have at number 12. Oh, yeah, I love Chris Carson, too. I just have him a little bit lower, but you can talk about him first. Yeah, I think that the consistency is there. He played in 15 games and then uh, 
and finished the 11th best uh, running back in half PPR. And I think that that's going to continue. There's going to be consistency. And he's in an offense that I really like under Russell Wilson, who I think really spreads the spreads the field well for him. So I really like his opportunity to do really well. And I think that he, if he can limit the fumbles, I think that's the biggest key for him and keep himself on the field, keep him out of the trouble with Pete Carroll. Then I think that he'll have a great season. I think that he'll very quietly finish as like the number 12 running back. I mean, that's what he did last year. He was like 11 mm-hmm. or 12. I have him at 15 just because there's a few guys that I like better. I think Carson, yes, he has the fumbling issues, but I think he's going to keep the job. And I share your love with of Chris Carson. I just have a, uh, couple guys ahead. At 12, I have Eckler, who I talked about already. 13 is Leonard Fournette, who I was happily surprised to see him not only not get hurt last season, but get tons and tons of receptions too. So if we can see that Leonard Mm -hmm. Fournette again this year for a full season, I think that's great. And I think um, I just realized I might move Carson up ahead of my 14, who is Miles Sanders, just because Miles Sanders is a little bit unproven. Yeah, I did that too. Um, yeah, I and think, uh, by the way, Leonard Fournette finished as the number nine running back, so that's actually not a bad pick. I've been a little cautious, cautious with uh, Leonard Fournette, but I think that he could be really good. Yeah, I'm usually cautious with the guys who have injury risk, but I mean, I think I might move Carson to 14 just because I agree with you about Carson. I think Miles Sanders is my current 14, though, just because uh, he's taking over an Eagles offense. I think he's very talented. I mean, there are some concerns over there. With uh, especially in the passing game where he might not get that many receptions mm-hmm. because of Boston Scott being there. That's why I might move him down to 15. But, uh, yeah, I like Sanders a lot, and that's why I have him at 14, and I'll probably move him to 15. And by mm-hmm. the way, if you want to see these rankings, all of the rankings, because we're not going to go through every single running back, you can go – or I don't think we will. I don't think we'll have enough time. We'll go to, go yeah. to sites.google.com slash view slash second and goal fantasy. That's sites.google.com slash view slash second and goal fantasy. You can find our rankings. You can find our articles. You can find our past guests who they will update that list after uh, Mr. Harris comes on today. Um, but yeah, so Chris, why don't you, let's see, why don't you go to your number? I guess your number 14 is, it says on my list, it's Miles Sanders, but I guess, were you updating it? Is it different? It's still Sanders. Okay. It's still Sanders at 14. So All I, right. I kind of move people around, but other people moving around kept him at 14. So I just... I don't think it's going to be a great season, but I think it's going to be a, a season to work on. I think that he's going to just overall quietly, similar to Chris Carson, just a little bit worse. I think that he's not – I think Boston Scott is going to take away from him in a little bit, and he's going to slide in at number 14. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I have him basically around that same range. And uh, I guess your first rookie comes up at 15. Yeah. I've got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and I, I'm actually – I feel like I'm not too much of a believer in him, but then I just think about like some of the other rookies and I feel like he's going to just blow up. I mean, he's in a chief's offense that if I can't imagine if a really good running back was in the chief's offense. And I think that I know if he yeah. turns out to be really talented. I mean, he could be so good, like, like top three. I think he has top three potential next year just because if he, yeah. if he is talented enough and he plays the way that the chiefs, I think, think he can play, then he could very well be one of the top running backs for years to come. Yeah, I think he's got definite top 12 potential. I have him at 16, but with top 12 upside. The only thing is, I mean, the Chiefs have been optimistic about Damian Williams, but I'm not buying it. Damian Williams has not shown me anything other than that at the end of the season when defenses are tired, he can run for four yards per carry on fresh legs, and Mm -hmm. that's not much at all. So I'm not really worried about Damian Williams in that offense. Edwards Allaire is a huge boomer bust pick, and I think he's going at about the right spot in fantasy drafts right now, but it's like – very watch out for his risk but he has huge huge upside 
Yeah, I have a, at 16, I've got Fournette, and I kind of talked about him a little bit earlier. I'm just, I think that he did finish number, the ninth best receiver. I, I mean, running back, and he, I'm pretty sure he played in 15 of the 16 games. So he did really well. And I mean, can't argue with that. You can't argue with the stats. So I think that yeah. he'll have another solid season. Yeah, another boomer bust guy who I have at 17, I might move him up or down a little bit. This is the area where running backs get really tough to sort through. And it's Todd Gurley, just because Todd Gurley, there haven't been that great reports coming out of Atlanta about his health. And he was obviously signed with the Falcons after Mm -hmm. the Rams released him. The Rams thought he was done. I mean, they released him. Now the Falcons have him. And he's a guy who has top 12, top 10, even top five upside. But he also has like, awful downside to where you couldn't even consider him as a starter either because he's hurt or because he's just not playing he played in 15 games last season too so I don't think that there's too much injury risk there I mean mean, he with load management he actually started to perform better at the end of last Mm -hmm. year yeah I think and second I think the Falcons could still get something out of him he's in a decent offense too as long as the Falcons manage him well then I think he should be fine as a mid-tier RE2 and then again there's that potential uh, once mm-hmm. again, that huge potential for him to break out. So Todd Gurley's a tough player to judge, but he he's if you're looking for a second mm-hmm. RB and he might be he's a high risk option. Yeah. At eighteen, I think I I have Le'Veon Bell. Who do you have? Oh, wait, who do you have at did you say you're seventeen yet? It's Todd Gurley. Oh, okay. So my eighteen is David Johnson. I have Bell at nineteen, but you can start. Yeah, with we, I have Bell. those flip flopped, so I just don't trust Bell. I think that the addition of Mekki Becton is going to help him, and that's why I have him above David Johnson, just because I somehow I trust Le'Veon even more than I do David Johnson, because I just don't trust David Johnson at all. But I think that they David Johnson has more potential. Todd Gurley. I, I, I mean, uh, not Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell. I don't really know what's keeping him there. Something is just telling me that he. I think that he's just going to be okay. He's going to get some points, but it's not going to be anything special. Yeah, I mean, I think Bell wasn't awful last year. He was about a mid-tier RB2, maybe. Yeah, he, actually, finished, he finished 17th, so. Oh, in half PPR? Yeah. Oh, okay, so that, that's actually mid-tier RB2 range. I just have David Johnson ahead of him because I think David Johnson could find new life in Houston. And if he does, he's got that top 12 upside with Deshaun Watson there. Um, I mean, they lost DeAndre Hopkins over there in Houston. But David Johnson was – remember those years when he was just like, it wasn't he like a number mm. one, one mm-hmm. year or something? That was yeah. great. Uh, those were the days. But yeah, David Johnson is a very great player. And uh, mm. I mean, I, I just think I don't, we don't know if he's washed up yet or not. Yeah, at uh, 20, I've got Mostert. And we kind of already talked about Mostert. He, he asked for that trade. I think that I'm having him there saying that he's going to stay with the 49ers. But if that changes, then his ranking could totally be shook up depending on what team he goes to. So I'm just not really sure yet to move him anywhere other than where he I have him for the uh, 49ers 21 I've got Taylor and uh then I guess we'll kind of start to get into some of the other guys just at random that we like sort of I think right yeah I mean I think oh I don't know how long we've been how long exactly have we been recording I think we've been going for like 30 minutes almost oh okay so yeah then so my 20 I'll just get yeah Raheem Mostert who I think also has potential it's just the carry number that might limit him and those they're going to be the games where Tevin Coleman just takes over but I think Mostert's the better back and he'll have most games he'll be playing very well and he's very efficient too on the ground and then do you have Taylor at 21 and when he um no I have Taylor at 22 but when he runs the ball I mean he when he gets the full carries the 49ers give a lot of carries to their running back so if he's taking over a game that he could put up huge fantasy numbers sometimes. Mm-hmm. He's like a weak winner. 
Um, but let's see. Yeah, yeah, Taylor, I have at 22. I just have Melvin Gordon at 21. Yeah, I've been flip-flopped also. Yeah, just because Gordon, I think, uh, Gordon's going to be going a little overrated in fantasy drafts. So I would avoid him just because I think Philip Lindsay's not going away. He'll get Mm -hmm. more touches than people think because he's just a talented guy. And uh, I don't know why the Broncos don't really trust Philip Lindsay, but he'll find his way to more touches than Gordon owners would like. So Gordon's a sort of a back-end RB2, number 21 kind of guy. So, um, yeah, do you want to go? So, yeah, we can go into some interesting guys. Uh, oh, how about this? How about this? I'll start with one. Uh, Cam Akers at 25. What do you think of that? I have him right there at 25. I love that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's – I'm a little bit worried about them calling it a three-headed monster, so I think that's what's scaring me away and putting him uh, behind, like, Jonathan Taylor as the third best rookie RB. So that, that's just scaring me away a little bit. I'm – He's not necessarily a guy that I'm looking to draft next year, but I do think that he has the potential to do well. Yeah, Akers on the Los Angeles Rams. Um, yeah, and they the Rams did say that they might use a three-headed monster over there. I just think Malcolm Brown's the guy to worry about more than Daryl Henderson, although I don't think either of them are really worrisome. I don't think Daryl Henderson's going to get – maybe he'll get one more shot at, for the Rams, but I think he's mm-hmm. way overrated. People had him as a sleeper last year. I mean, I can't say I had an opinion on him last year, but like this year, I think that he's really just not, he's way overrated and uh, avoid Daryl Henderson in your drafts. Malcolm Brown should go undrafted. Daryl Henderson's being overvalued. And I think Akers is going at about the right spot, like RB2, just outside of the RB2 mm-hmm. range, like a flex kind of guy. So I think it's a fair spot for him. Yep. Um, all right. So let's see here. Some other interesting guys that I have. And I think I have like, I really changed up a lot of my uh, rankings in the late 20s and early 30s and I think some interesting ones I have like guys like a guy like Kareem Hunt at number 27 just because I think he can purely with pass catching become maybe close to an RB2 just because he caught so many passes last year which is huge in half PPR he lined up as a wide receiver actually in fact I think the Browns might make Kareem Hunt a wide receiver this year they said they might do that they're considering all options which might help Nick Chubb in terms of the passing game because then the running back targets will go to Chubb. But if Hunt becomes a wide receiver, um, I think that drops him in the rankings a bit. But, like, as a running back who just catches a ton of passes, I think he's a good player. Yeah, I, I don't like the, I don't like Kareem Hunt at all. I have him at 37 just because I don't trust, his, I don't trust his ability to catch passes, and it's just I – don't, I don't have any trust for him. I think that he struggled with legal issues too, so that worries me a little bit. I don't want to trust him there. I think that he might have had some injuries last year too. I'm pretty sure. Um. Well, he got uh, suspended. I mean. Well, oh yeah. Or I mean suspension. Not. If not, you look at the numbers, though, I feel like he was getting putting up good numbers at the end of last year, like solid. Yeah. I mean. I don't know. I just don't love him. I just don't think that he's going to be too great. I just feel like the the opportunity isn't there. I think that Nick Chubb is there, and I think that uh that he's just not going to have too much of a role in the offense, in my opinion. I mean, I just think the sample size is strong enough for him that uh, I think he – and he's he's proven that he can be a good enough wide receiver to – or a, guy, a receiving back that he can play. Um, so, Chris, yeah, I guess do – you, do you have an interesting guy uh, in that sort of range, like late, 20, early, late 20s, early 30s? Uh, I have two. I actually like Ronald Jones. I have him at number 27, and he's a guy that I think is a bit of a sleeper. I have Keyshawn Vaughn at uh, number 30 as well, so I think that that's kind of uh, – that's a possibility, but uh, yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, I just 
I, I, I like Ronald Jones next year. I think that he's going to surprise some people, and I think he's going to do well. And I also don't mind Keyshawn Vaughn because I think Keyshawn Vaughn is going to get some passes. But uh, one other guy I have in that range is 28, Philip Lindsay, who I actually kind of like next year. I don't. I like Philip Lindsay as a sleeper of it. Yeah, I mean, I Philip Lindsay, I think I like as a sleeper. I feel like you have these guys a little too high for me, though, because I have Jones and Vaughn at 41 and 42 and Lindsay at 38. That's, that is way too low. No, but you're forgetting all the guys who are in, like, timeshares who are still going to put up some numbers. I mean, Jones and but Vaughn. But Ronald Jones is, is going to do so much better. I mean, let me – I don't know. Ronald Jones was the number twenty-six running back last year, Calvin. So he—it's not like he wasn't—he wasn't good, and that was with Peyton Barber there too. Peyton Barber, especially I mean, at the start of the season, well, Keisha no one Bar- trusted him, but he kind of improved and showed that he was a viable uh, running back for there's, the Bucks. And there's I a lot of guys who I think are going to bounce back next year. I mean, just and a lot of guys who I think are in timeshares. I might move them up a couple spots, but I think, especially in an offense with uh, Tom Brady, like. I feel like Tom Brady's not going to be able to pass every down, you know? Yeah, that's true. But, like, still, Jones and Vaughn are both viable options now. Peyton Barber was never a viable option. He just stole some carries occasionally. Yeah, but, I mean, Sean Vaughn is still a rookie. I just like both of them. I really like them in that offense. And I think that there's actually going to be more rushing despite having Tom Brady there than there has been in past years. And they're going to have the ball more because they're not going to be turning it over. Yeah, that's. I guess that's fair. I can I can see it. Um. Well, so some other interesting guys. And, and wait, one more point about uh, – Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn is a lot of like James Winston touchdowns. They came on longer passes because a lot of times he was throwing deep, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now they're going to be able to work it more down into the red zone and kind of play a little bit more of a slower game, but get, get into the red zone where they can actually rush for touchdowns. So I think that's going to help. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I think my, my next guy, well, my, one of my interesting guys uh, I think is busting next year. Number 33, DeAndre Swift, who I could barely put ahead of mm-hmm. carry on Johnson. I don't even know. I might put Johnson ahead just because Johnson's more proven, but carry on Johnson wasn't even getting that many carries last year, maybe like 12 or 11 in his best games. And then now in this pass happy offense, they're adding another running back to compete. Yeah. I don't think this is going to work out. Mm-hmm. Swift might be usurped com- almost completely by Johnson in his, ro- in his rookie year. I think it'll be an ugly split, though. And Swift, uh, what, he's not the best. I mean, he's a pretty good running back. He's not a great running back. And I don't think he – only great running backs can succeed in the Lions' offense. So that's why I have mm-hmm. Swift at 33, and he's a low yeah, 33 for me. Yep, totally agree. Uh, how about – let's see. Let's go – a little bit more through. Oh, I have uh, Jordan Howard at 32. I really like that pick. Oh, I have Jordan Howard at 32. Oh, we have some similar rankings, Calvin. See, we, we really agree on as far as running backs go. I Except really Ronald like Jones Jordan. And I really like uh, Jordan Howard next year. I think that he's going to kind of take over that role of Kenya Drake, but I think that he's a little bit more talented. And I don't mind Brian Flores' offense. I mean, much more yeah, than me that, like, like Adam Gase's. So, I mean, <laughs> wait, I just realized something. Kenyon Drake was with Brian Flores when he struggled. Well, like so that one, kind of adds to like one that season. He be nine. So that's what I'm saying. Like he hasn't been proven, and even and we don't necessarily know if it was bad coaching because Brian wasn't Flores he was like, one of the coaches of the year. Well, no, it was like half a season, and then he got but traded. Still, okay, well he was I mean, so good with the Cardinals. I feel like he. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's. But that's just my points about. I don't. I, he's not proven enough yet for me to trust him. But uh, anyways, back to. To uh, Jordan Howard, I really think that he's going to do well. He's going to have a, an opportunity, kind of like the Bears one where he did well a few seasons ago so I think that him being the lead back I don't think that Matt Breida is going to take away too many targets Matt Breida is an older guy I'm pretty sure too so yeah I mean uh I'm not sure how old he is I, yeah. I think I, he actually might be a I'll younger check. guy but I think Breida's injury risk makes Howard the better option I have Breida like five spots below him at 37 um so 
Yeah, my I'm just looking down the list. I, another bust guy I have is Darius Geis, who I have at 35. Oh, yeah, never mind. Because, Breed is young, by the way. Sorry. Yeah, um, it, Geis has just has that huge injury risk. He hasn't been able to play a full season or anything close. And even if he comes back, he's got to compete with Adrian Peterson, who's not going away. Bryce Love, Antonio Gibson, and others for touches. And it's going to be very tough for him to compete. Um, I mean, well, I guess he won't have to compete with others because some of them won't make it. Some players, some of the other Redskins' uh, running backs won't make it. But I think Darius Geis is still um, – I think he's just going to not perform up to his expectations. If he stays healthy for a full season, I like him a lot. But it's just the crowded backfield combined with the huge injury risk. I can't really trust him next year. Yeah, that's fair. I kind of agree with you there. I do like Darius Geis a little bit more than you, though, because I feel like when he is on the field, he was really good. And even if he doesn't get as many carries, I think that he can still produce top 30 fantasy numbers. Uh, well, I mean, he can produce it, it well, if he's on the field. That's – I don't know. I just buy into the injury risk a little more, I think. Mm-hmm. But okay. um, as we go, how about you talk about another guy that's interesting? Ooh. Uh, maybe a little bit of a bust here. David Montgomery at 35. I just don't like him that much. I think that there's not really room in an awful Bears offense. Um. Yeah, I just think Montgomery's going to get enough carries. To, wait, where, actually, where do you have him? You're going to be mad, I think. Where 35. I Uh-oh. 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 First, where we talk, I believe Montgomery. I don't believe in Montgomery's talent. I just think that he's getting care, enough carries to be number 24. 24? <laughs> oh, a low 24. It's You're telling tough. me he's going to be better than Cam Akers. Well, Akers is very risky. You have David to keep Montgomery, that Calvin, what happened? You used to be agree with me that Cam a- David Montgomery. I, I feel like I still, I still do. Wait, no. Well, I mean, maybe yeah. our biggest bust is Daryl Henderson, but like I know, David but we Montgomery- used to talk about uh, David Montgomery being a huge bust, and I still think he is, just because like there's not the Bears' offense is so bad they're not going to be able to support a single running back, and they don't even run it that much. Mitchell Trubisky gets like half the runs in that offense because that's the only way he supports himself with points. So. I just yeah. don't think that there's – and David Montgomery is not I guess talented it, at all. I think David Montgomery is a big draft bust too. So I guess it's fair. There's a few guys who I might move ahead of him. I really need to update my RB rankings a little bit more because they're sort of just getting into a muddled mess at this mm-hmm. point. Um, so I feel like, yeah, another guy of – we just said Daryl Henderson who I don't like. Chris, I have him at number 47 just because – I mean, and we really talked about him earlier. I just think he's overrated, and he hasn't shown anything. He hasn't shown that he can do anything in the NFL. Yeah, I don't – is – where is Daryl Henderson in my rankings? I can't find him. Is he not there? Is he not even in your top 60? Do oh, I maybe. accidentally not have him in my top 60? I mean, he obviously belongs in the top 60, I think. Yeah. Oh, uh, let's go see. Daryl Henderson is – I don't do, think – Does not seem to be in your rankings. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I need to add that soon, so. Stay uh, tuned. Sites.google.com slash view slash second and goal fantasy. I will put him at number 49. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. It's about where I have him, too. So, um, yeah, I guess we've been recording for about 30 minutes. So, let's see here. I think Anybody- more like 40, probably, but I don't really know. Okay. Uh, so, maybe we can go through, like, one more guy each. Oh, uh, and excuse the typing noises, guys. I'm editing my rankings to include Daryl Henderson. Okay. Yeah, that's why he's – there have been some typing noises throughout. So, um, that it just – and the, my Wi-Fi is not – functioning as well for some reason so that's why chris sounds like he's talking really fast sometimes um just that's i i don't know if that shows up on the podcast calvin i don't because i feel like i've listened for those and i feel like i don't hear them so i don't know i don't know hopefully they don't 
yeah, hopefully you're not hearing anything bad at all. Um, but yeah, I think Chris's mic has been bumping a little bit just because he's been looking stuff up on the computer. Um, yeah, let's see. Anybody else that's interesting? I think I have plenty more guys. I'm just looking for the really ones that really stand out to me. Um, Philip Lindsay, I have at 38, just because, like I said earlier about Gordon, I think Lindsay will take some touches. Um, James White, I have at 29, because while White is not a viable starter in fantasy, he can get consistent RB3 numbers with pass catching, especially in half PPR. So I think he'll go a little bit underrated because he's not really that flashy. Um, yeah, I'm going to move James White up. At the moment, I have him at 40, but I think I need to move him up from there. All right. So, um, yeah, I guess we can wrap up now, I think. Uh, oh, wait, here. You want to talk about one or two more? Maybe Alexander Madison? Oh, yes. Alexander Madison at 44, just because he's one of the top handcuffs. The, I think I'm what, at 41, just because I, hand... I think that he's going to be so good if Dalvin Cook gets injured. Yeah, what makes a handcuff good? I mean, talent is important, but opportunity mm-hmm. is even more. Because if he, Cook never got hurt, yeah. Madison would never see the field with his talent. But if Dalvin Cook is so injury risky that if he gets hurt, Madison and all of his talent will come on the field and just tear up defenses, and it'll be very fun to watch maybe not tear mm-hmm. him up Dalvin Cook style, but produce probably top twenty four numbers at least. Mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. So okay. Kind of- wait. Before we go, Calvin. Now give us give us one fifty through sixty running back that you like. Uh, that I one like. interesting guy on your fifty through sixty, or, or just interesting. Okay. Something interesting about them. I think Reichwell Armstead is going undrafted in a lot of drafts. Um, Leonard Fournette's injury risk is still there, guys. He's mm-hmm. number fifty three yeah. for me, and so that's why I have him a little higher. He's not the most. Ta- I don't believe in his talent that much, but opportunity can still get him some production if Fournette gets hurt. Yeah, I just don't trust his talent enough. I don't have him in my top sixty, and I I think that. Leonard Fournette proved that he, for the most part, he's probably not going to get injured. So I don't have my top 60. But the guy that I do have is Darrington Evans, because if anything was to happen to uh, to Derek, uh, Derek Henry. Henry, he would be good. He would be really good. And I feel like he's already going to be able to maybe produce top 60 numbers just through the passing that he gets, because he's going to play a change of pace uh, role. And he's a young rookie, so you never really know how he could turn out. So he's kind of a flyer that you could send with the last pick in your draft, you know, and maybe he could turn yeah. out pretty well. I mean, yeah, Evans is just not a huge upside, but a change of pace guy. He's the only other running back there, really. Just like Armstead's the only running back besides Fournette and Jacksonville, basically. There's really no competition for him. Um, so now let's just we'll wrap this segment up. And uh, you'll be hearing this. Uh, we had this <laughs> issue last year, where we, or no, last week, where we didn't know how to put it when we were segueing into an interview that we hadn't recorded yet. So yeah. um, in a few seconds, you'll be hearing um, our interview with Christopher Harris from Harris Fantasy Football. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited, just even though we're oh not my. like actually going into it right now, but I'm just excited thinking about it that we're announcing it, you know? Yeah, it's just even thinking about it, it's great. Um, again, his podcast has the eighth most downloads out of any fantasy sports podcast ever. He started in 2015, and uh, it's, I believe it's available on base. It's got to be available on every podcast network. Um, mm-hmm. He's uh, it's an excellent podcast. He's very funny, and uh, he's coming on our show in a few seconds. And um, so we're gonna ask him a few questions that you'll find out about in just a second. So uh, without further ado, here is the interview with Christopher Harris. And so now we have a very special guest coming on the show today. Christopher Harris from the Harris Fantasy Football Podcast is with us today. Mr. Harris, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's really a pleasure to have you here today. Well, thanks for having me, you guys. And don't call me Mr. And don't call me Christopher. I'm already, like, could be your, I'm probably older than your parents. Maybe not. I don't know how old your parents are, but I, you can just call me Chris. 
Okay, sounds good, Chris. So uh, we just have about like, we have like seven questions for you today. And the first okay. one, um, just in general, how, how did you decide and when did you decide that you started first started to want to get into podcasting and uh, sports broadcasting? So podcasting wasn't a thing when I started getting into broadcasting because it didn't exist yet. <clears throat> um, and I didn't really want to get into this at all. Um, so I... I led a whole other life of, I have, I have a master's in business and MBA and I went and got real jobs and stuff. And I always kind of wanted to be a writer. So you guys, I think, listen to my show. Do you guys listen to my show sometimes? Yeah, I listened, I listened yeah. yesterday. It's an excellent show. Well, thanks. So you probably know that I uh, harangue the audience about books that I've written. So I'm sort of a fiction writer. I write, I write novels and that's what I really wanted to do with my life. But it's hard to make money that way, much harder than it ever was, to be honest. There's not that many people make, make money writing fiction. So I had real jobs. And on the side, I would, I would um, just sort of write, write fiction when I could. And I wound up deciding, all right, I was wasting my life. I need to quit my job. And I did and went back to school again to get a graduate degree in creative writing. And they call that a terminal degree. And uh, that's because it was well, like, technically it's because you, there's no other degree that comes after it, but also you might as well be, be dead after you finish mm -hmm. it. Um, so all I really knew coming out of that program was I didn't want to get a real job again. I didn't want to go back to what, what I was doing. And I was a big fantasy player, baseball, football, all the, all the fantasies. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a website that was having a contest to be a writer for their, for their website. And so I, so sure, it didn't pay any money, but what the heck, I'll try. As, as a lark, I wasn't thinking that I would do it for any for a living or anything like that. And I wound up winning the contest and Yahoo, you know, this is more than 10 years ago, so you guys were not playing fantasy at that point, but they found me and decided to pay me some money and ESPN paid me a little more money, started putting me on TV. It was all never really part of a plan. It was something that would kind of pay for the fiction writing. And it's turned into a great thing where I was at ESPN for eight years and now I've been doing my own thing for five years. And uh, yeah, so I don't think it was ever really part of a plan. Certainly podcasting didn't exist <laughs> at the time, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but it's worked out really well. Yeah, um, it sounds like it has. So yeah, it's funny how kind of all come from different ways like we just we just decided it because we were enjoying our fantasy league and you got in it through writing so there's so many different ways and it's it's really fun to do you know yeah all right so um yeah chris you can go ahead yeah so uh our next question is you started your podcast in 2015 and what is your favorite memory from just doing the podcast maybe guests maybe one of favorite episode that you had just what's your favorite memory favorite memory would be, I don't know. I don't know if I, I guess. So, so we have a, a lot of very dumb recurring jokes on the show, obviously. Mm -hmm. And the, there's many, many times that stand out. I mean, God, we talk about a possum that, that supposedly lives with me aboard a <laughs> yep. yacht. I mean, mm -hmm. we have gone far down the, the rabbit hole or the possum hole as it were. And so, I mean, you know, that day when we accidentally stumbled upon the fact that the possum would be my spirit animal is pretty pretty interesting i think what stands out to me is that that first year not really expecting like i i i left espn because i just didn't want to be at espn anymore and i didn't really expect that this would turn into such a big thing and so i 
was just kind of throwing myself on the mercy of the listeners. Like, hey guys, hey people who follow me on social media, I have this podcast. If you want to listen, it would be awesome. And the first time someone made a song, first someone, t- first time someone made a mixtape mm-hmm. of something dumb that I had said in the show, it's, it's turned into. We've had three hundred, four hundred songs that people, listeners at home. Mm-hmm. Like to the tune of a song that a lot of people know, a popular song not written by them. They change the lyrics and they record themselves singing it. And we call them mixtapes and they wind up on the, and the first time I got one of those and it was so funny and so well produced. And the person was so talented. Like we have like real musicians uh, yeah. who, who like listen to the show and are actually like professional musicians and, and make stupid songs for my show, which is <laughs> insane so i think the the favorite mammy would probably be that moment of like oh my god like super talented people are listening to this what the hell why are they wasting their time it was very funny yeah that that, that sounds fun um yeah we also have some recurring jokes on our show as well it's good to have those i think um we have one where we consistently make fun of adam gase every single episode so yeah that's it's i think it's good to have uh, like yeah, those we, recurring we tr- things we try to avoid it we always somehow we always when we're going down our rankings or whatever and we hit Kenyon drake or Le'Veon bell or someone that someone that's been under adam gates we always just find a way to circle their old performances back to him and the bad coaching so that's kind of a, uh, a turning joke and, the, and some do of the you, some of the people that do listen they've kind of always bring that up a little bit are you are you are either of you dolphin fans or jet fans no no. no so you don't have to suffer Glad it you know. personally I'm a, I'm a Giants fan, so Opposite. sometimes I have to suffer anyways. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, do you, so I'm obviously you've been must be playing fantasy for many years. I guess that's how you sort of got into the, uh, right. partly how you got into fantasy podcasting. Uh, do you have like a fun story from like a fantasy league in the past? Do I have a fun story? I mean, I kind of so. One league that I'm in is, is a fairly public league that we talk about a lot on my show. It's called La Liga Lebowski. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's a dynasty league where the rosters are like 26 players deep and you also have eight reserve spots and the, the rules are like really complicated, like really advanced. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, we have a salary cap, we have uh, contract extensions we have the franchise tag a transition tag uh just many many yeah player holdouts it's uh, it's the league has existed for about 10 years i think we just finished the 10th year and uh and it's intense it's great it's my favorite league but i had never won it i'm the commissioner of it i invented it i wrote the rules and i had never won it and this past year i finally did and along the way, exercised some demons. There are some guests from my regular guests from my show who are in that league who I kind of trounced along the way. <laughs> and yep. uh, I've I very much enjoy have enjoyed lording that that particular path to victory. The, it's funny because uh, the semifinals that was like I can't I can't remember was it might have been against cousin Josh or against might have been against Andy Barons from my show. And then I get to the finals and it's a completely it's the guy who runs the la liga lebowski twitter account this guy colin mm-hmm. who's lovely and i have nothing against and don't particularly want to lord it over him but i crushed him in the finals <laughs> it was very it was very that was like a lot of uh you know a lot of uh virtual champagne being, being mm-hmm. poured over my head yeah congratulations yeah it was 
fun. Um, we've been playing fantasy for like a few years and I won my first championship a couple of years ago. It was a great feeling to mm-hmm. finally win. We got to hear all about it before the draft. Lots of, lots of text saying <laughs> it's hard being the, there, there, there are little stickers cause we do ESPN fantasy football and Calvin, Calvin keeps on sending the, it's hard being the champ fantasy football sticker. <laughs> And then this year, this year I beat him though, so I, I have bragging rights, I guess. We, I didn't, did not I didn't win the. I, I I beat you, Calvin. I finished third. Calvin finished fifth. We both kind of. Uh, yeah, I, so I got it. This particular league is you know usually from year to year because it's a dynasty, so there isn't major turnover of the rosters. You usually kind of have who you have, but in 2019, I had really kind of loaded for bear. I'd really. I'd loaded up on guys with expiring contracts. I mm-hmm. knew that the roster was going to turn over. I was going to lo- lose most of my guys for the next year. So it was, it was kind of like, it's now or never, dudes. It was mm-hmm. a good team. But it's yeah. like, and I traded, I gave away prospects for Michael Thomas halfway through the year who was on an expiring contract. So I'm losing everyone. And everyone knew in the <laughs> league that mm-hmm. this was it. And they were all rooting against me, of course, because it would be hilarious if I loaded up and mm-hmm. didn't, didn't win. But I did. And so now, actually, Andy Barron's on Yahoo actually published a lot. We had our rookie draft last month and he published a long, long article that was actually public on Yahoo for tens of thousands of people to read in which he, you know, talked about everybody's picks in the rookie draft and talks, talked about, you know, the sort of state of the league, whatever. And he was really mocking me that my team looked so bad. I mean, his best keeper is really stinky. Like, you know, my team doesn't look good this year because I kind of went for it. And uh-huh. my response to that was, Sorry, I can't hear you with all the champagne in my yep. ears. <laughs> yeah. So you gotta you gotta live in the you gotta live in the year that you win and, until the next time. That's right. In the moment, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, our fourth question is: What fa- what are your? So this is more of a fantasy question. I guess we have to get sure. to fantasy for a fantasy podcast. But uh, what fantasy sleepers and busts are kind of your favorite? So your favorite sleepers and then some big busts that you have. I mean, so we're recording this on July twelfth, mm-hmm. and my my answer is going to be: I really don't have any yet. My, mm-hmm. my answer is going to be, but I'll talk about why. So I don't mean to skirt the question. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm even talking independent of the question of whether there's a season, right? We don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't even know. That whole question. But even in a year where we weren't having this terrible thing going on in our country, uh, I would still probably answer the same. And the, the reason is uh, I don't really know. It's, I get mocked for saying this. People, people have a drinking game on my show that says every time Harris says he doesn't look at average draft position until August, take a drink, and you're, you know, you're, you're drunk within five minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I really don't look at ADP until mid-August because I really want my opinions to be entirely my opinions. I want my ranks to entirely be what I think and not, oh, I can afford to lo- lower that guy a little bit because I'm still – I mean – there's such a temptation to not want to mm-hmm. look dumb and look, not, not want to look out of step with the market when yeah. you make your ranks that, you know, if you, if you look at uh, your own, you know, you make your own ranks, right. And you put Melvin Gordon 17th among running backs, but then you look at ADP and Melvin Gordon is going eighth among running backs. And this is, I haven't looked at ADP, so I don't actually know. Uh, there's a temptation to go, man, I'm going to take a lot of hell. You know, people are really going to be mad at me and are going to be like, why are you so low on Melvin Gordon? You're so dumb. And to, in order, I have found in the past, like when I worked at ESPN, I, I couldn't avoid, avoid the ADP. So I would just have a natural tendency to have mm-hmm. upward pressure yeah. in Melvin Gordon's rank. I would be like, okay, well, I'm not going to put him 17 anymore, but I'm going to put him 13. So I look less stupid, but I still communicate 
that I still wouldn't mm-hmm. take him at his price. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, the- oh, go ahead. Sorry. So, uh, so my, uh, I'll finish my long answer. Uh, the, re- you know, I just, so I just don't know what the market is saying on play- players, which is really where sleepers and busts come from. You know, you look at, you look at ranks and you go, oh my goodness, the market thinks this mm-hmm. on, on Austin Eckler. Well, gosh, I think this, so that means he's a bust. And I think until I, until I do, and I, I usually don't look at it until about a month from now really like mid-august is when i start looking at where everybody else has players ranked and until then i don't have a great answer on sleepers and busts but if people want to see my 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 rank orders you can go to harrisfootball.com yeah i mean we're doing we're doing our positional previews this month so we've already picked we've been picking out like lately our main sleepers and busts for ranking previews and stuff like that um so yeah and so a couple questions um just in terms of just basically rankings questions, because Chris and I have been having a couple debates on the show, and uh, we were looking for uh, someone to settle them. And so the first <laughs> first question is, uh, do you think, I mean, as of right now, of course, many things can change. Uh, do you think right now in like a half-point PPR league, Darius Slayton would be a top 35 fantasy wide receiver for you? So I'm going to say... No, but I'm going to say I don't think it's an outrageous take to have him there. Um, okay. And the, so the, I think in a, I mean, in standard, I have him uh, 49. In PPR, I have him 53. So I'm a little bit lower. Uh, I'm recalling that one of you is a Giants fan, so I'm already apologizing. But <laughs> the, the wide receiver you guys know what it was like a wide receiver last year holy moly mm-hmm. it was such a disaster right it was um a yeah. lot of the top you know the top 10 guys about five or six of them completely flopped one mm-hmm. of them didn't even play and you know a couple of them it seemed like they didn't play and then because the the upper class of wide receiver was so disappointing it wound up having you know i think if you look at the fantasy point totals from like number 14 to number 40 there was probably two touchdowns between them it's incredible mm-hmm. So there's an incredible sameness. Uh, I call it uh, wide receiver melancholy and the wide receiver infinite sadness, which is a reference, a musical reference from mm-hmm. the '90s. So mm-hmm. I don't think you guys would quite get it, but uh, your parents who are listening to this are just cracking up right now. Uh, the <laughs> the the group from I don't know, you know, 24 to 60. It, you could convince me of anything. I don't think it's outrageous to say Slayton should be higher than I have him if you know to say he should be where Tyler Boyd is or where Julian Edelman is or where Emmanuel Sanders is they all feel roughly the same the reason that I'm a little the justification that I give myself because I got to rank them linearly is that there's two other guys there they do different things but I don't necessarily see a a huge talent disparity there's a speed disparity Slayton is clearly fast much faster than Golden Tate or Sterling Shepard. But I don't necessarily see a, a overall talent, ma- massive disparity. I look at somebody like uh, the Jags, ja- the Jaguars. And DJ Shark, I, I think, is a better player than, than Darius Slayton. Time will tell if that winds up being mm-hmm. true. But I do think the talent difference between DJ Shark and the two and the three in Jacksonville, I mean, who, who are they? D.D. Westbrook and Chris Conley? Yeah. Like, yeah. They're fine. I think Golden Tate and... Uh, Sterling Shepard are significantly better. And I think Evan Ingram is better than whatever Jacksonville is going to roll out mm-hmm. at tight end. And in the end, I, I don't know that I see a reason that Slayton gets massive amounts of commitment 
over the other guys. Probably there are a lot of weeks where he'll make a big play. He obviously scored touchdowns last year. That was cool. Touchdowns are very hard to repeat. Uh, I, this is a wishy-washy answer. I, my, my answer is that whoever was voting him outside the 36, that's where I am on him. But I don't think it's ridiculous to consider him inside. Yeah, I, I mean, you probably guess consider I'm a Giants fan. I, I, I don't – I wouldn't say it's biased. I think it's mainly because I obviously watch a lot of the Giants games. And what I've been seeing is I see, like – I think that they're – that Daniel Jones, like being a rookie, I feel like they kind of developed a stronger connection, especially when Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate were out. And I know the coaching staff was really high on Darius Slayton. I just think that uh, like there's a lot of injury risk in that Giants offense. Obviously, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, and Golden Tate were all out at some point last season. So I think that there are a lot of things that could go right, which could possibly boost him up. Like just one injury, I think that maybe sure. to Sterling Shepard or Golden Tate, he could very well be the number one wide receiver. I think that in that Giants offense. So sure. a- I, the guy who I compare him to talent wise is Robbie Anderson. They're, they're similar. Mm-hmm. They're yeah, tall, they, they skinny, are. not, not powerful, not probably not going to make a lot of money sending him over the middle. They're going to make big plays or they're not going to make plays mostly, you know, you just, in order to preserve them, you don't want them running a lot of like six yard slants mm-hmm. over the middle. Yeah. They're just, you know, they take a shot and forget it. You know, Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard can get down. They're a little more compact. That's where they're going to run. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if, if you think of Darius Slayton, like you think of Robbie Anderson, you go, yeah, I can see why he's a wide receiver three sometimes, but I can also mm-hmm. see that there's probably some weeks where he goes two catches for 17 yards and it's totally annoying, but mm-hmm. you know, the, to back your point up, the, uh, what name the receiver who can't go two two catches for 17 yards. I mean, there's, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. most of them, you know, so I, yeah. I don't think it's a bad take at all. Yeah, I mean, he's, I sort of have him, like, in between you guys. Like, Chris has him at uh, 29. You have him at, like, I guess 49 and 53. And uh, I have him at about 40. I just think I do see the connection uh, with Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton. But I just think well, I agree with you that, like, with all the targets around there, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, too, in the, uh, in the flat sure. and, like, with his running back targets will take away from Slayton and he'll be probably very inconsistent next year. Yeah, So and, and the thing with Darius Slayton for me is I like to – I'm not picking him as like a wide receiver too. I mean, obviously, but I want to make sure that I have a solid core of receivers that I know I can trust. So like my kind of three guys that I like at wide the wide receiver position is I like DJ Moore because I think that uh, the addition of Teddy Bridgewater is going to help him. And I really like Devontae Parker. I know you haven't looked at ADP, but what he's going at, I really like where he's going right now, just in the mock drafts that I've done. So uh, I've, I've had him as a higher guy that I like to get uh, pretty late for, for a good value. And then I'd like to get Darius Slayton maybe as a third or a fourth, just because I think that if there are injuries or if he does kind of suddenly jump up into that number one role in the Giants offense, I think that he could be really good. Well, it's good to have hot. It's good to have strong opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, now we'll get to uh, another debate. Or, well, our second debate question is, do you think Allen Robinson is a top 12 wide receiver? I think he's right on the borderline. Um, I have him 12. Exactly in a standard league, but I, again, you know, me, he finished 12 last year. He didn't overwhelm you with a ton of touchdowns. It was a lot of volume. Uh, so I don't look at it as like a fluky touchdown season. He he's, he's very, very good. He's a very good player. Um, he's not like a physically overwhelming size wise. He's, you know, he's, he's big, but he's not like a physically overwhelming player. He's certainly not overwhelming speed, speed wise. Uh, he, he's just that, f- flanker type he's he's that like do you guys remember des bryant yeah mm-hmm. yeah 
that's who I like liken him to. I feel like he's mm-hmm. like a just strong. He's got pretty good hands. He's gonna, you know, if a, if a ball is misthrown, which in Chicago it's very often misthrown, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's gonna figure a way to corral it. He'll take a big hit. Uh, he he just wins. He's just sort of an one of those alpha guys. Um, we've seen really two seasons in his career where he's gone bananas. He's there was one with Jacksonville. Yeah, with Blake with Blake Bortles. I mean that that poor dude has had some bad quarterbacks, uh, and now he's had the one. It wasn't as big a year, but still a wide receiver one year with Mitch Trubisky. I'd, I'd like to see what he could do with a real quarterback, but that's not in the offing. Even if it's Nick Foles this year, uh, I, I like. I, I'm going to bet on Robinson at least not hurting us in the way that some of the other guys who are going to be ranked around him could hurt us. So whether you want to say one of the Rams guys, or you want to say, I don't know, Cortland Sutton with Jerry Judy coming or Tyler Lockett with DK Metcalf there, or, you know, AJ Brown repeating all that stuff. I I feel of that group. I feel like the floor is really safe with Robinson. And we've seen, you know, a a 1100 yard, seven touchdown season Mm -hmm. is not hall of fame. Amazing, but that's a pretty good upside too. Mm -hmm. He belongs in the conversation. Mm-hmm, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, we run a we run a half PPR league, and I I think that I have him at thirteen. Calvin has him around nine, so I think we're kind of split right, and you're right in between us, so we're pretty close on that. But I think the main problem there is the quarterback play. You just can't you can't trust the quarterback play, and that's really the only concern I have for Allen Robinson because other than that, I think he's going to be getting a lot of receptions and a lot of targets. Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean uh-huh. you say that we say that we say we're positive. Like, you know, it didn't happen two years ago, right? He himself mm-hmm. was hurt, but also just it didn't work out. They didn't focus on him as much. Uh, so, I, targets are never guaranteed. But again, I, you know, I'm I'm always about watching film on players and deciding if they're actually good or if the circumstances just sort of warranted that they got a lot of catches. But the moment someone else better comes along, they're going to throw it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the case with Robinson. There's no one else on that team who I think is nearly as good. Yeah, I agree. Um, and yeah, he had 154 targets last year, only caught 98 of them because, but I hope like if Nick Foles starts playing, I hope for Robinson that a veteran face will help him help get his uh, target to reception, reception ratio up. And if he can get that over a hundred receptions next year, I think that'll even be a bigger boost for his value. Um, Could but, yeah. happen, and so, except for Nick, Nick Foles is bad too. That's the only problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Probably. but I think he, I think he can be more accurate than Trubisky though. Mm. I guess yeah. I think I could, I could probably be more accurate than Trubisky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just one more question. I know you're very busy. So, but just, we just have one, one more sure. quick question before we wrap up. Um, so what advice do you, would you have for like some young, like sportscasters or podcasters, like trying to get into the business? Uh, for- do you guys have anybody in mind? Do you? Uh, is there uh, a- uh, no, no one in mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I gotta say, a, the number one recommendation that I would have is to do exactly what you're doing, which is just to get reps, to keep, to just do it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. Like if you guys still enjoy it and you can make your way all the way through high school doing it, you're going to get better. You're going to look back on how you were on the microphone from years before and be a little embarrassed, but realize, wow, <laughs> I've really come a long way. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to lie and say, Oh, all you have to do is just do it a lot and you'll be, and boom, you're, you're golden. But I think if you don't do it a lot, if you don't find your voice, if you don't distinguish yourself by figuring out who you are as a, as an analyst or as a talker or whatever, you got no chance. That's kind of the, that's the, that's the initial price of admission is doing what you're doing and 
figuring out what makes you different. I mean, I think, you know, you guys are, you guys are starting way, way, way earlier than I ever did. I mean, by, by more than a <laughs> mm-hmm. decade. And so that's a great advantage to do it, to have fun, not think about it too much. And then as you go kind of realize, Hmm, I wonder what could, you know, I, I've listened to this Harris guy and he's interesting and he does this, but that's not so much me. My personality is more like this. And you kind of mm-hmm. start to find your own niche. Uh, I think, you know, the most important thing is, especially to, you know, if you're in your teens, I would say is um, worry less about being given opportunities and worry more about getting yourself ready for when opportunities present themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, that's doing what you do, what you're doing. So it's awesome. And believe me in the course of this, I do a lot of guest spots. You guys are not the you guys are far 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 from the least professional people i've ever been interviewed by. <laughs> thank you trust me um you know my people ask me the same thing about fiction writing people ask me the same thing about being on tv about being do, doing radio or doing podcasting anything sort of creative finding your voice is such a hard weird long i'm, I'm i don't feel like i'm there and i'm old like you know, finding your voice, finding out how you're different and why someone won't want to pay attention to you rather than the 50 other people doing it is, is hard. And it's not something really that you consciously come to, like you snap your fingers and go, aha, I know why I'm different. Mm-hmm. But as you work at it, you know, you'll, you'll start to say, hmm, you know, I'm using cliches a lot. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, and you guys aren't, but I'm saying some people might, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to get away from cliches or, you know, when I talk about wide receivers, I sound exactly like that guy and that guy already exists. So I'm not going to be able to get his job unless he retires. So I have to find a, a different way to talk about it. And I think that will develop naturally. The only way that will develop is through doing exactly what you're doing, which is keep doing it like hone it you guys are a partnership so you'll talk to each other about how it can be better you know you'll finish a season then you'll go to the next season and say oh what if we tweak it like this and eventually maybe you could go to school for broadcast you know eventually Mm -hmm. maybe you go to school for writing or something like that and i think anything you can do to the up to that point is awesome and preparation for finding your voice all right yeah thank you so much for coming on once again uh it it was really a pleasure to have you of course, you guys. You could, I, I had to say yes because it's very clear that at some point you're going to be my bosses. <laughs> Thanks yeah, for having me. It was really fun to talk yep. to you. Thank yep. you. Thank you for coming on. So that's it for the interview, Chris. It was a really fun interview. I had a great time. Yeah, it was really fun. It was great to have uh, Chris on for the show. It was, it, it was a pleasure to have him on. Yeah, no, more than a pleasure. It was a great interview. He was a perfect guest, um, and I had a ton of fun doing it as well. And uh, yeah, so that's- That'll close out the podcast, right? Yep, that's this it is our for longest the podcast. one yet by far. This is probably our best one too. It's really good, so. Yeah, no, it's really good. So if you haven't listened yet and you're just listening to the end, you should probably go back and listen to the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> anyways, Calvin, you want to close it out? Yeah, sure. So here come all of the places you need to visit. Um, so make sure if you want to check out our rankings and articles, go to sites.google.com slash view slash second and goal fantasy. You won't regret it. Um, also, if you have questions about fantasy football, you can email us at second and goal fantasy at gmail.com. That's second and goal fantasy at gmail.com. Second is spelled out, of course, just like our podcast name. If you want to check out our live shows, um, 
you can go to uh, sportscastr.com slash sgsportstalk, or you can download the Sportscaster app, the way I spelled it, and uh, follow at sgsportstalk. Um, again, follow SG Sports Talk. So, um, yeah, and we make live shows all the time. We're interns at Sportscaster, so it's very fun. Um, also, if you want to check out our articles at a publication called Tecmo Hole, you can go to tecmo.com slash author slash Calvin K for my stuff. For Chris, you can go to tecmo.com slash author slash Christopher. And again, it's Tecmo Hole, T-E-C-M-O-H-O-L-E. Oh, wait, no, I said it wrong. It's T-E-C-M-O-H-O-L-E dot com slash author slash Calvin K and T-E-C-M-O-H-O-L-E dot com slash author slash Christopher. Um, I have been going on and on, but there is still more. Make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and uh, give us a five-star rating if you like the show. And make sure to check out Christopher Harris's podcast, the Harris Fantasy Football Podcast. Um, it's an excellent podcast. You should go look at it and then make, make sure to give us a review as well and give him a review if you liked his podcast too. Also, uh, we are now on Twitter. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at SGF Pod. If you want to follow our live show, you can do so at SG Sports Talk on Twitter. And we will be posting when this episode is released. Um, so thanks so much for listening, guys. Chris, any last words before you wrap, we wrap the show up? Oh, it was a good show. That's about Excellent it. Excellent show. I had so much fun. I was mm-hmm. nervous before the interview, but it was a great interview. And um, so thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back with wide receiver preview next week. See you guys next time.